Hello, welcome to the Adam Fitch Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Fitch. You should know that by the name of the podcast and the fact that this is the 17th episode, I think it is now. Kind of getting lost now. I'm getting into the larger numbers when it's like one, two, and three. It's very easy to stay on top of, but but now I'm just, I don't know, I'm a bit lost, uh, especially with everything going on at the moment. Um, but hey, oh, we, we keep moving forward and such. So today I'm joined by a special guest. I say that every time because if they're on my podcast and they are special in some way, I'm not going to get on any old person who uh, doesn't provide anything that I can't. And, and actually is quite a, quite a big gap in what I know. So fortunately, there's a lot of people I can get on. So today I'm joined by Erin Ashley Simon. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me on. You know, like you said, it's quite a period of time that we're in, but just to see all of us come together and be a part of content with one another, I think is tremendous. I have to um, alert the the watchers and, and, and listeners to something, which I said to you before we started, is that it is weird being on this side of things when I'm speaking to somebody who does this for a living. Like you, you are really great at talking and presenting and such. And I'm real. I'm good behind a keyboard and and kind of getting better in front of a microphone and a webcam. But it's still very like foreign to me. So I'm not gonna say I'm scared. I like challenges and such. But like, yeah, there's definitely a bit of pressure there for me to to do a good job because because of how good of a job you do. Oh, listen, you're going to do a phenomenal job. There's no pressure at all. I'm off the clock too, so if that helps. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, so you're going to let your standards drop now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to be regular Aaron right now. Well, that, that's what we want. Anyway, that's what we want. So something I've been I've been asking guests to do for maybe four or five episodes now is to um, kind of define or, or explain how they define themselves because it. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's it's hard for me, for example, to say that I'm just I, I'm a content creator, and now that I'm doing video and podcast stuff because I've been creating written content for a long time, and I, I kind of find it hard to box myself in, and and I I assume that's the same for other people, especially when they're doing uh, quite a few different things, and I've done over the past past few years. So, what would you say you are in a sense? Are you a, a journalist, a host, a presenter? Where, where do you fit into things, or do you prefer not to do that at all? Oh uh, no, I mean. Uh, for for contextual purposes, I I don't mind uh, saying that like you know I'm a I'm a broadcaster, right? Right. And but I also am so in that I like to say I'm a storyteller. I think part of my job and responsibility, especially with esports and gaming, is to help to tell the appropriate stories, whether it's individual stories or whether it's the story of what is happening in the industry. And so I think from a, a business perspective and just job perspective, that's that's how I find myself. But from a personal standpoint, um, I'm Aaron. I'm a fun, a non-judgmental, uh, caring individual who just enjoys to see the happiness in, in others and to see other people thrive and to grow. I mean, that's what drives me towards, um, especially for Cheddar Esports, that it's what drives me towards bringing people onto our show is right. to give them an opportunity to shine and, and, and let them have that platform to shine and to showcase their knowledge in this space and everything. You know, Cheddar Esports may not be like the biggest show in the world, but there are enough people that pay attention. So mm -hmm. I, that's the kind of person I am. I'm, I'm always trying to figure out like, how can I help others? You're basically just described the exact opposite of how I have been for my whole 25 years of existence. Like, well, I, I'm, changing, I'm I'm starting to see the light now, but like for, for many years, I was fueled off of hate and doing better than others instead of 
everyone working together to get to a certain place. It's like, no, like you're better than me. I'm going to work until I'm better than you. Like blah, blah, blah. So like the exact opposite of me. So it could create quite an interesting kind of parallel here. Um, but so, so I know we've actually, I, I, well, I'm pretty sure we've got a bit of a similarity in how we started um, in like this whole content thing. So can, can you kind of talk through it a bit? Cause did you start your own kind of venture, your own blog or channel or something and, and, and create things off your own back? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna try and condense this as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. This is about 10 years, right? <laughs> so I started when I was 16, 17 years old and I was a top soccer player in New Jersey. And because of that, with so many tournaments, I didn't have time to go out to Cancun with friends. I didn't have time to go do things that certain other friends were doing. So when I was home, I was training. Um, I obviously played video games because around that time, I think it was when Xbox Live was like really popping. So I was like, oh yeah, I got to play with people online. <laughs> um, then also I created a website later on um, called A Box of Mess. And Mess stands for Music, Entertainment, Sports, and Style. And I wanted it to be something that was an extensive blog that covered all these different facets that I was interested in. And I started off with just covering traditional sports and more specifically uh, basketball and high school basketball. Yeah. And with that, um, it kind of blew up. Like, it, like I was getting interviews with some of the top prospects in, in here in the United States. And um, they were telling me like what schools were interested in them and, and other stuff. I mean, granted, I was a young girl and probably around the same age as them. So, you know, boys are boys, right? Mm. But they also respected me because of the work that I put in and, and, and just how I presented myself. And so it got to the point where people from like ESPN, uh, CBS Sports, Fox Sports were reading my blog and reading certain interviews. And um, that's the start, the, the beginning of my content journey. I mean, I had some ups and downs and I made mistakes along the way. Like I'm a kid so uh, at that time. So of course I'm gonna make some mistakes, but that started my journey. Um, and that also made me want to change my major in college to journalism. And then I, I, I originally was going to do kinesiology and do sports medicine. Right. And then I switched it to, to journalism. And so from there, you know, the journey continued where I was still doing content for myself. I still had a blog. Uh, and, and also I had a YouTube video or a YouTube channel that I would interview different people for. And from there it went from, then eventually I was in, doing internships for a company called Dow Jones and then eventually the Wall Street Journal. Then I got an opportunity with the Wall Street Journal. I did work for my university, my alma mater, University of Kentucky, because uh, we had a really great basketball program. So I developed a lot of relationships there. And no matter what, even when I was in college, high school, after I was still creating content. And eventually I moved into music media, was interviewing uh, rappers and artists and stuff like that. And then I landed a job at uh, Diddy or Puff Daddy, depending on what area you come from, hmm. uh, his television network, Revolt TV. Yeah. And I worked my way up to the point where I was a producer and producing content for the TV network, as well as digital. And so, uh, and then eventually I was a uh, part of a content, well, part of a company that I did content development, content strategy for them. I created a series called Inner Circle, and that series by second episode had well over 3 million views. And so I, since I was 16, 17, which is about 10, 11 years, you know, going on 28 now, I've been creating content nonstop. Mm -hmm. And I've just figured out along the way just how to create content that resonates with people and create content that people are looking for. And it's been interesting uh, during that process. But also it's interesting, too, because now... I've been creating content so much for other people. I've now had to like 
during this time of self quarantine, I'm figuring out how do I create content for myself, yeah. um, which has been an interesting approach and journey, but like I've been, my career and, or, or I guess passion and content started in 16, when I was 16, 17 years old, and it's been going for 10, 11 years. Blimey. Well, you, obviously, you, as you documented there, like you, you've done very well, and it's all starting from you putting yourself out there and and putting the effort in, you know. But uh, just a quick aside, uh, actually, when when I discovered the Joe Budden podcast, maybe two years ago or something, I, I went I went to find out more about Rory and and Mull and stuff, and then I actually came across um, one of your podcast episodes. I, I'm pretty sure it is with Rory, and that's and that's how I I, I first saw you, but I wasn't aware fully um until i don't know maybe a couple months after i'd kind of um discovered you in esports and such is that's when i um put put the two together and realized you, you were doing the same thing and i was like oh wow i didn't know anybody else who who kind of um straddled both lines there so I, i've been watching uh that podcast and listening to that podcast for a long time and went all the way back and and i don't know how many joe budden podcasts is on now probably like 330 episodes or something but yeah just i i discovered yourself through that but never put two and two together and realized um that that was happening so so how long have you been doing the the grassroots podcast now so wow oh my gosh i guess the grassroots podcast we've been doing it for almost three years um, so yeah, Joe, Joe and Rory were some of our early episodes mm-hmm. because my uh, business partner for the podcast, Brandon, uh, Hall, um, he actually, he is, uh, used to hype, hype men work for Joe and them. Oh, He's right. friends with them. Yeah. And, uh, so we created this because we both have experience in the music industry and he has 10 years of experience in the music industry. And we felt like there was not really in a space for artists and and people of those of that uh, of that elk to um be able to talk freely about things without it being chopped and screwed and edited and all that stuff and so we started that and uh i have to admit looking back at the old episodes oh my gosh like we were so trash but we got so much better at it and that doing that podcast actually helped me become better as a broadcaster which was really great and so we've been, I mean, we've interviewed so many different people. Um, our podcast was the podcast that broke the news about Kanye uh, executive producing all of Good Music's projects. Yeah. That, we, we broke that news. We broke the news of, um, of a Method Man or Red Man not being How High 2. Uh, Red Man is a good friend of ours, and, and he broke it down. And then we had the episode with Red Man and Method Man talking about the cannabis industry <laughs> and stuff like that. And so we've had a lot of dope interviews with, with people that we know and also just people that we don't know that are we're super comfortable on our on our podcast but you wouldn't know because we it, we have a good way of making people just feel calm and collect and you would think that we know these people all along but we've just met them that night yeah and so with with grassroots has been interesting because then we went from having to be focused in on just celebs and then people were just were like we want to hear your guys opinions we want to hear your guys opinions so we're like, okay, cool. So we started like just slowly doing our own episodes and then having our own opinions. And then now like, you know, we've been growing that side of things and people have been enjoying the fact that they, you know, want to hear our own opinions on certain matters and, and yeah. things like that. So it's been, it's been interesting that just the growth we've had. We've also um, did our first live show at WeWork with Jinx. Um, we did our first gaming event with Nate Robinson with 368 Minorities in Sports as partners. 
Um, and it's been amazing how we've been able to melt the worlds of, of gaming and culture and music and sports together all in one because that's who we are. Like all my friends on the podcast, we're all gamers. Yeah. And, we, and we're all nerds too. Like we're massive Marvel fans. We're massive gamers. And we naturally, you know, we also are big fans of hip hop and music. And just we just found a way to have our own platform where we can just bring everything together and and talk about these things and so it's been quite a journey it's been up and down but for the most part um it's it's been tremendous and it's helped us in so many different ways to secure different opportunities and different things like that yeah so that, that, that that's great and yeah I, I just wanted to to mention uh the, the little story there about like how i i've watched you then but wasn't aware of it until later on when i kind of went back again it, it was it's wild to me that um so so now, obviously, you're at Cheddar Esports, and and we discussed a little bit beforehand, and I, I've been on on the show a couple of times now. So, and you've reached out yourself, which I don't know if that is always the way that happens when like a host or presenter is 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 doing that on other shows and such. So, like, it seems as if you're wearing multiple hats. So, like, what what's your ultimate role? Like, what are you in charge of, and what do you have a hand in at yeah. Cheddar? And and kind of how did that come about? How did you end up hosting an esports show? So how it started was at the time, um, the NBA with their esports league, NBA 2K league just started. They asked, uh, I, I was covering the league and then they asked me to be a co-host along with my friend, uh, Jeff Eisenman, uh, for their Twitch show called the post stuff. Yeah. And from there, that's when I started my hosting role. Cause before then I just did stuff behind the scenes. Um, and it's funny because around that time I was like, okay, how do I make myself different? Right. How do I make myself unique? And that's when I cut my hair. And I've oh, never wow. had short hair in my life until then. And so I was like, okay, let me figure out how to, you know, be different, you know, zhuzh it up a little bit. So I did that, but oh my gosh, when I first had my short hair, I struggled. <laughs> I didn't know how to wear it or whatever, but I figured it out. Um, and so from there, I ran into one of our producers, uh, Brandon, at Red Bull Conquest in DC. I was covering that. That's when I also met some other individuals in the esports scene, like Amanda Stevens and, a few, and um, Tasty Steve and a few other FGC people. And with that, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, if you guys are looking for um, anyone to help host in terms of your esports and gaming show or just anything over at Cheddar, let me know. So a couple weeks later, got hit, hit up, did the screen testing and did the script writing. And they loved it. They loved what I had. And then um, Jimmy Mondel, who's my former host, um, co-host, we uh, did a, a, a little uh, chemistry test for like a few weeks, and then I got the gig. And from there, it just kind it just grew and grew and grew. And um, Jimmy and I were really helping with bookings because we don't have a booker for Cheddar Esports, and so we ourselves had to reach out. Everyone on the team has to reach out to different people to to book. And I mean, I feel like that's a that's just how it is across esports in general because people are still learning about esports, um, more so from a mainstream media perspective, and they aren't completely buying into it entirely yet. Yeah. And so, of course, you're going to start with smaller teams. Um, and so with that, you know, I have so many different responsibilities. Like, I'm not, I'm not just hosting. I'm also producing segments. I'm also booking. Um, I'm also working with our social media guy to figure out, like, okay, how do we promote certain guests and stuff like that? So it's a lot. Um, not always the greatest, but... Uh, it does allow me to develop these personal relationships with people in the esports scene, whether it is the actual talent, players, PR, um, people from different businesses, and so. And I, and I'm that kind of person where even if we did have a booker, I would still reach out because 
relationship building is so crucial, especially from a media perspective in this industry. Mm -hmm. And the more solid the relationship, the more opportunities that you can have, whether it is with interviews or just anything like that. And so um, that is basically my full responsibility with Cheddar Esports, as well as how I got into it. It's funny because I spoke to various different people in the industry and all of them were like, they just naturally fell into their role at, with, within esports and gaming. Like, it wasn't like they woke up one day and was like, oh, when I get older, I'm going to get this. Yeah. I did not say to myself, when I get older, I want to work in esports and gaming. I never thought that. It's just something that was fitting to who I am um, because I've always been a gamer all my life and, and I watched uh, competitive gaming. Um, but once, you know, once the opportunity came with like, hey, you want to host an esports and gaming show? I was like, Sure. So that's kind of how it happened. I just fell into it, to be honest. And, and how the hell do you decide who to have on? Because, I mean, you've had me and both uh, my arch nemesis, Kevin, hit on. So, like, what, what's the process you go through to kind of decide, yeah, this will be a, a person who's, who's uh, apt at, at speaking on a particular subject, yeah. you know? Because, I mean, I myself, I don't know if I'm always the best judge of character. I tend to um, not trust people until they give me a reason to trust them, which is obviously a really bad way of doing things, Okay, like, especially if I'm, like, booking people. But like, yeah. yeah, so so, how do you go about doing that? I mean, for the most part, I do my research. I really, so when I book, I put my producer cap on, right? There are, I, I, I figure out, okay, there are specific topics. There's specific, um, obviously competitive leagues. And I'm like, who are the people that are really talking about who know what they're talking about? So I work to find these particular individuals that are, I, I see are consistently discussing whether it's Apex, whether it's Fortnite, whether it's Overwatch, and then figure out, okay, how, uh, how I guess, how are people reacting to their content? Do they agree with them? Do they not agree with them? Uh, and then usually what we do is I'll take, a, I'll take a chance on someone, even if they're not like, because there are people who are just not used to being on camera. It doesn't mean that they're not knowledgeable. They're just not used to be on camera. Yeah. And so um, I'll reach out and we'll work with them. But the most important thing is having the appropriate information. So I always do research in advance. I always look up the person on social media. I, I make sure that they're not saying anything crazy. Got to make sure they're not, they don't have anything racist out uh, or anything like that. And I work to get them on. Um, also, you know, another thing too is I also listen to other people in the industry. And especially like I have, um, there's certain friends that I have that I really respect their opinions and they'll be like, Hey, you should have this person on your show. You should have this person on your show for, you know, talk about FGC stuff. You should have this person on your show to talk about this. So I pay attention to that. And I, I definitely take those into account. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting process because with this, not only do they have content that's timely in sense of like, okay, what are people talking about right now? But also we, for Cheddar, we're not the ones that are breaking news. We don't break the news. We will talk about the news. We'll talk about the breaking news. And we'll find people that will add more uh, color commentary to the news. Yeah. Um, but then also we, we focus in on the, the culture side of things. So highlighting the different um, uh, owners of companies, highlighting different indie devs, uh, highlighting people of color, highlighting uh, uh, LGBTQ plus people showing that there's so much more and there's so many different people behind the scenes in the esports and gaming world especially like because I've even had people from mainstream side of things they're like you know to be very candid they're like where are the where are the other black broadcasters where where are the other black individuals now mind you of course these are people who are black themselves asking this question yeah. so for contextual purposes but 
you know, me being black and Latin, they they see what I do, but then they look at other broadcasts. They look at other esports uh, broadcast teams. They're like, where are the people of color? And I'm like, we're there. You know, we're we're getting there as well. Diversity has gotten better in the industry, but that's why I try to highlight other sides, like the fact that we have Johanna Ferries as the commissioner of Call of Duty League, yeah. and then we have Nicole Lapointe Jameson as CEO of Evil Geniuses. It's like, no, we're in these positions, but it's obviously it's not as as much, right? Um, so I try to showcase all these different things and and highlight these the culture side of things, and so that is also another de- uh, determining factor for who I select for the show. Okay, that's that's um, that makes sense. So, would you say that um, a really divisive person has more of a chance than someone who's just agreed upon on everything they say? I wouldn't say that. Um, I would say, you know, I mean, look, we have we have everyone from uh, uh, Troy Troy Tuttle on our show yeah. to Slapter. Those are like two completely different personalities, right? right? Slasher is just doesn't care what anyone thinks. He's going to say what he wants to say, right? Even if he says like, yo, Cheddar sucks, even though, you know, he loves us. But he even says that on our show, right? Then you have like Troy Tuttle, who's like very, very, very specific, very straightforward with with Fortnite content. And is and you can tell that he's even aware of how he frames his words and stuff like that. So for me, it's not necessarily about are you controversial? Are you divisive? Or are you agreeable? For me, it's more so like, do you have a good standing opinion in the sense of that you have your opinion, you're knowledgeable about whatever you're talking about, you put the knowledge knowledge behind that opinion, and then you say your opinion, and you're going to say it with conviction, right? Yeah. It's not we don't want people who are like, Oh, maybe so no, if you think that uh, this competitive scene is going to fall apart in two years, then just say that, right? If you're going to say like, uh, I don't think this person is going to win the Fortnite World Cup. It's going to be this person. Um, we want people who have those opinions to 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 be very straightforward with those opinions. Especially considering, like, technically, myself and whoever is another host, technically, like, we shouldn't be as opinionated, even though I, naturally I'm going to say my opinion. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying the nicest way as a host, but I will say my opinion. Um, but we we really bring guests on to be that voice to really um, say what they need to say and say what the industry needs to say or, and also say what mainstream and non-endemic people need to hear. And okay. so we don't, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you're not racist, sexist, or just outlandish, like beyond beyond measure, like then we're okay with you coming on Cheddar Esports. <laughs> that, that, that makes sense. So you mentioned Slasher. I just want to tell us, I don't think I've ever said it publicly before but i've met slasher once i was in new york last year and and this is when i realized that i i, I quite like him i say quite like him right so where i work for esports insider and we host uh business events as well as having uh the publication editorial side of things and uh so yeah i was in new york and it was like the the pre-event drinks where it was just on a, on some rooftop somewhere which is seemingly commonplace for new york which is very strange to me but i like it um and yeah he 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 walked up to me and went, you're a bitch. And I was like, what? He was like, you're a bitch. I'm like, why? He was like, oh, you didn't come up and say hi to me. And I said, mate, I've, I've saw you two minutes ago and you've been talking to someone the entire two minutes. I've literally just come in here to get a drink. And he was like, yeah, but you're a bitch for it. And I was like, okay, he's, he's, he, at least he's consistent with how he is online to, to how he is offline, you know? And I really, I really like that. And I mean, I'm, I'm up for a laugh anyway, so it's just interesting. But yeah, uh, it's just a, a personal anecdote I've got there that I've never actually 
said in public before. Yeah, he just straight up called me a bitch. We was aware of each other beforehand, and I was just like, that's a very interesting way of introducing yourself. Either he's like the most socially awkward person ever, and he has to be abrasive from the start, or he's just that he is just a living meme. And I mean, yeah, uh, I will not comment on which one I think it is. He is just himself. And and that's what I respect about Slasher. It's just he's, he's literally just himself. And I think that's so important, especially in this industry, is just be yourself. And of course, you know, you got to figure out when to tone it down, when to pick it up or anything like that. But Slasher has always been nice to me. So I, I, I'm a hundred percent cool with Slasher. I like him as a person. Um, you know, does he sometimes amp things up a little bit? Yeah, he does. But, uh, he's also is, is, is supportive and, and also he, he's really passionate about the scene. And I think that it's good to have someone like that to be passionate, to speak up and not, not be afraid to call out different publishers and companies when they need to be called out i, I agree so i, I want to touch on uh, cheddar a bit so I, i've tuned in I've, quite, quite a lot i'll be completely honest not every day i, ca- I cannot commit to that i've, be- I've barely got time to go see family and stuff sometimes so, i mean i can't commit to watching a show every day but um so it seems like you you well you definitely do like blend gaming into the the show uh, uh, but it is it is cheddar esports so i'm just wondering what, what, what your take is on that because i i've got the unpopular opinion that um esports is is used as like an umbrella term for way too many things sometimes and i'm not saying cheddar's responsible for that by any means but i'm just saying yeah. like like influencers a lot a lot of the time uh like banded in with esports and they're not related at all they just play games on a stream you know and uh, maybe they used to compete like shroud for example he's got nothing to do with esports now and, and ninja um but still they're they're kind of seen there and it, it almost misrepresents what esports is it in 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 my eyes at least and i know that's an unpopular opinion there where it's just like people are like no it, it can be whatever it wants to be and all these things kind of work into the ecosystem of esports um so so what's your take on on that on blending gaming in with the esports side on the show well i think that the more specifically for the show i think having that gaming component um, is a way to bring in casual viewers, yeah. um, to bring in casual gamers so then they don't get completely turned off. I think, so for us, it's like, if we were so esports heavy, right, and if we were able to talk in the terminologies that other esports uh, or people just aware of the esports world understand, um, casual viewers would be like, what is this? I have no idea what you're talking about, right? I think that using gaming allows like to ease people in and then we are able to talk about esports right usually with our headlines i mean with our headlines we talk about esports but we also talk about some gaming stuff too Hmm. and some of the but but another thing that we do is we the gaming news that we talk about usually impacts the esports world right so we don't it's not like all like it's not like certain times we deviate completely away from esports now are there some times we do on cheddar esports yes but the headlines is that opportunity for us to um, kind of bring in those casual people and walk them through certain things. And then like the interviews after can be let's the overwatch league, or um, we can have someone talk about the, the apex global series or just anything like that. And so I think having that balance, at least for us can work. I know, you know, for hardcore esports people, there may be like, you know, we just want to focus in on just one game and that's it. And I think that that's something that people are trying to figure out. And I think that's also something like we're still figuring out on our own. Um, but uh, I do think that people are mixing and blending esports and gaming. Like when it comes to streamers and stuff like that, I do see that. Um, and especially for 
uh, people outside of the industry and how they look in, they think that it's all the same and it's not. Like, yeah, there's this umbrella of called gaming and then there's esports under as a subcategory within it, but they have similarities, but they're not always the same. Um, and so I think that it's good to have that dis- that distinction between what's gaming and what's esports. But I also think it's important to utilize the gaming component to slowly introduce more people to the esports side and to bring them over. And um, the 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 journey of converting uh, casual viewers, casual fans over, there has to be a, a journey pathway. And I think that starting with the game itself or starting with gaming and just slowly moving them towards the competitive scene and then being involved in that, I think it's super important for just the growth of the industry. And of course, we already have people that are just strictly esports and we have people that are strictly gaming. And it's okay to have people that are bringing the, both the worlds together, but there has to be that distinction. And and that's what we try to do on the show. We try to let people know, like, this is not esports. <laughs> this is gaming. So we try to do that for, for some of our uh, headlines and, and topics. Okay, no, that's fine. Yeah, I'm well. I'm the kind of person who like I don't care about any gaming news ever. Like I, I'm I'm an esports journalist, and I I literally live and breathe esports. Like this, it's my whole day. But like, yeah, I just I couldn't care less for games. I'm like, I don't care about the new Fallout, or, or I don't care about the new Halo coming out unless the HCS is partnering with Esports Engine and they're gonna run a full circuit. You know, like so. Yeah, just 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 for me, it's just like I I I don't like it, but I understand. Um, that it almost has to be done. If you look at like Deserto, for example, or Esports Observer are doing a little bit, and and that's my complete uh, like competitor. So I'm not shouting them mm-hmm. out. I don't think it's a good thing necessarily, but you can see that they're having to do it. So like Deserto covers what do they call it? Like online entertainment, and they're like one of two profitable publications in the entire industry, and that's because they don't just focus on the industry. So it, it's either clear to me a model hasn't been found yet that makes being completely esports focused like a viable thing as a business. Or, or the esports industry is just not there yet and, and we've got to keep chugging away. And on it not being there yet, I want to bring up Jinx. When I think of, when I say Jinx, I mean Jinx Esports TV, not not Brandon. Um, when I when I um, think of a competitor for Cheddar Esports, I automatically go to Jinx. Um, I've written there before and there's some good people there, some not so good people there. I'll be completely frank. But um, <laughs> what I, I don't think it's going to last too much longer, right? And it's trying to be a 24-hour esports channel. It's got esports in the name, but then most of it is gaming. Like, it's just two people who are relatively popular online, I guess, like playing a game for the first time or something. It's like, well, this is not esports at all. It doesn't reflect anything. Like, why would I ever visit this channel? You know, like... This is a very long way of me asking, do you think like a 24-hour network as such or channel or something, whether online or, or you know, on the telly, do you think that's a viable thing right now? And I mean, because I, I could see, if there's one one company I could see doing that eventually, I imagine it would be Cheddar. Well, I mean, if we're talking about now, now, now would be a perfect time, to be honest. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I think that this is the thing. No one has the golden formula. No one has it quite yet, like you said. And I think that people are starting to try to figure that out. I mean, we have what? Ven is coming up. Uh, True, yeah. There's some other platforms that are looking for that 20, excuse me, that 24-hour esports content. I think that it's it's also kind of hard just because of how polarizing the content in the industry is for fans and viewers, right? If they're a fan of CSGO, they just want CSGO stuff. They don't give a crap about anything else. Exactly. They're just Fortnite. They just care about Fortnite. They don't care about anything else. 
it's like, how do you create content? How do you have a network that makes people care about Fortnite and CSGO and PUBG and some of these others, right? No one has figured that out. Um, and it's been, it's been difficult. I mean, even for us, it's, you know, we're, we're still trying to figure all that stuff out. And so I think that, you know, and I, and I won't say that 24 hour, um, networks won't work. I think it's just like right now, everyone's just trying to figure out what's the golden formula. What's the perfect way that we can get people to constantly watch and constantly care about what we have. Um, and I mean, it's understandable because look, esports, even though it's been around for a very long time, from a mainstream media production standpoint, it hasn't been fine tuned. It hasn't been, you know, uh, per, it has. It just just haven't fa- found it. You know, look, we even had before G four, and I think that that formula is still trying to be determined but no one knows quite yet what is like the right amount of esports the right amount of this yeah. so it's, it's a tricky one i mean it's going to take almost a bottomless pit of money to find it at this at this rate as well i think it's obviously not cheap to to, to uh, create things and, and launch such ventures and then yeah like how long do you wait uh while while investing before you pull the plug if it's not successful you know yeah it's, it's certainly a challenge in that way and i mean as a a long way to go for uh, business, um, esports publications as well. I'd say um, finding the the right way of presenting things and the right style of coverage. I don't think we're there yet. I think Deserto. Yeah. I, I I defend Deserto more than most because people will rag on it for the content it produces. And while ninety five percent of it, like I will never ever read. I probably read one percent of what they put out, if that. Like I I understand why they're doing what they're doing, and and they're being it's commercially viable for them to do it that way though yeah. I, it, it doesn't please everyone but then i don't know if your content has to it only has to please the people at, at the, the right time you know when when it's the content that applies to them it's it's a tricky one and we're all trying to figure it out like i'm i'm finally getting um into the groove of trying to grow esports insider and then coronavirus comes up and no one's announcing anything anymore and and everyone's uh busy at home with family and stuff instead of wanting to be interviewed and Oh, I don't know. It's it's a really tricky one now, and and the the environment we're in now and the climate we're in now seems to be stunting quite a bit of growth. I think, and yeah, I think a lot of companies will really feel the heat. Um, I, th- I mentioned to this um uh, this to you prior to recording, but like Allied Esports, uh, released its financial results for twenty nineteen and and um bragged about like huge re- revenue growth and such, and then laid off at least four people yesterday at the time of recording this. It's it's a very strange one. Um, so I, I feel I feel like I'd be remiss to not ask how, like the coronavirus situation and the outbreak and such. How's how is that affecting you? Because I mean, I think we need to highlight just how uh, much of a struggle it is for for people who are perhaps self employed or freelance or or even got full time job who are now having to work from home and and work's kind of dried up. Like with, with the event side, doing what yeah. it's doing at the moment, or lack of event side almost um how how is the effect on you on that it it can't be easy right um i mean the effect obviously is cheddar esports went dark indefinitely which means that i'm out of work i am unfortunately the only person on my team who's out of work the rest of the team are producers um and but it's it's been, I mean, things have been working out. There's various people in the community have reached out that want me to do hosting work and content work and stuff like that. So I'm very fortunate. 
Um, and that kind of goes back to just the good work that I do, the relationships exactly. I built. So people have been been really supportive in that. So it, it, it was hard, but um, slowly but surely, you know, I'm I'm finding certain opportunities to just keep myself comfortable right now. And I know, you know, there are plenty of other freelancers that are having a hard time right now. And um, one thing I'm doing is, you know, if there's any work opportunity that I just don't see myself doing or I can't do, uh, because there's a fine line between like, uh, you know, of course there's certain companies that you may want to work with me, but like, I can't have my journalism ethics be ruined. Mm. And so I can't do certain jobs. So I may pass them off to some other people that I know that are looking for work. Right. Um, but it's kind of a, an interesting uh, experience because now that I'm not doing cheddar right now, I'm actually able to do work with like different esports orgs and stuff like that. And right contact with a few people um in terms of doing some kind of content so it's it's interesting because it's like i what like because of my journalism ethics i wasn't able to really do work with them unless it's like they want me to host something like uh gen g they had me come and host a panel at my alma mater because they're partnered with them yeah. um so i did that but you know if it's something else you know i can't quite do so now because i am not doing my journalism work with cheddar I can do certain projects and do certain work with different people that I couldn't do before. So it's a catch 22 in a sense. Um, and it was hard at first, but like I said, I've, I've had people reach out to me because I, I put out there, I said, Hey, cheddar is dark. I don't have a job right now. I don't have work. You know, is anyone looking for anyone for work? I had a lot of people hit me up. And so it's been, it's been good in that way. Um, but I definitely want to try to use, what the platforms and things that I have to help other people in this situation. Like, I think there's one, one job that I'm going to be connecting my friend with because she got laid off and there's going to be a lot of people that laid off. And I think that more importantly right now is that we just got to find a way to help one another and, and, and really, you know, if there's an opportunity for some work for someone, like we just got to help each other. Cause we all, that's the only way that we're going to stay afloat. And especially that's the only way that we're going to stay afloat in this economy too. It's like, we're going to have to work. We're going to have to spend money. Like, or, or if not, it's going to be worse. So, um, that's been my experience. The first two days were crazy hectic and I was just like, Oh my gosh. But <laughs> then like a lot calmer, a lot of phone calls, literally every single day I'm on a phone call. Um, which is funny because I'm the kind of person who doesn't like phone calls. Right. Uh, but, you know, I do it anyway. And, um, but yeah, that's been pretty much my, my experience during this time. Uh, I, I was the same in terms of phone calls, right? You, you And then one day what happens is you go from someone who would rather just text and email and get it out of the way into someone who only likes to communicate via calls because you can carry on doing other shit at the same time you bang your AirPods and then you're away. Like one day it just kind of switches and you're like, oh shit, I've become one of those people. Um, But since since we mentioned Joe Budden earlier, I just want to bring up something quickly. You've, I assume you've thought about it a little bit, but do you ever see yourself having your own like network of things? Obviously you've got the podcast going on and... And and you've got your producing hat and such like you can obviously do quite a bit and you know what goes into into creating shows and, and hosting shows and stuff. So so obviously he's got like the pull up which is an interview series and then Joe Budden podcast where he's just bullshitting with friends and, and yeah. there's the cartoon thing going on and and as he's uh, state of the culture on and revolt and such. Do, do you could you see yourself doing something like that in the future, like wholly owning your own kind of network in a sense? Um. Yeah, I mean, so funny enough, once I get older, I do want to work behind the scenes and mm -hmm. be like an executive producer. Um, it would be cool to have my own network, but if not, be higher up at a network. Um, 
that's like something that I, I'm very um, interested in doing. Like the same way that we've seen people uh, like Oprah or even Lala, like go from being up in front of the camera and then eventually working their way back. That's yeah. something that I want to do. And, um, but obviously not until like much later on, I'm still young, I'm still kicking it. Even though in esports, in the esports world, I'm old. So uh, I but- know. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but I look young enough that I can still pass. So it's all right. You look um, younger than me <laughs> and, and I'm younger than you. So there you go. You're not doing too bad. Yeah. I'm not, you know, it's not too bad, but yeah, I think that uh, I definitely want to do that at some point. And I definitely want to have my own company at some point, even if it's like consulting with different brands yeah. or media companies for, for content, especially within the esports and gaming world. And so that's something that I want to do later on, but probably when I'm like, like in my 40s or something like that so you're saying you want to be an esports consultant because I, I mean that, that's, oh, that's a because <laughs> <laughs> i mean you could i don't know you'd either have to knock slasher off the number one top top spot of such or you'd have to call yourself the number two esports consultant which oh, doesn't have the right yeah. ring to it you know and plus i reckon <laughs> i i want to battle with you for that <laughs> i want to battle uh, in say 10 15 years i want to battle for number one esports consultant let's see Let's see you can get it done. Uh, unfortunately, it'll be you over me. I know that already. I say unfortunately, it's good for you. It's unfortunate for me from a selfish standpoint. Um, but so I, I want to talk about something that that you, you at least appear, which I'm sure it's, it's obviously genuine, um, like very interested in and passionate about, which is diversity, right? Mm-hmm. In, in the esports landscape more specifically. Um, I'm a, a white man with a bald head and a beard who looks like every other white man with a bald head and a beard, you know. So I'm not I'm not the best person to kind of speak on diversity and what we should do. Um, I haven't faced um, the challenges that a lot of other people have. Um, though I'm not saying it's been a complete, like, easy ride for me. There's obviously stuff that, that's come up. But um, what, what do you think about the, the current state of esports in terms of diversity? And that's a very, like, generic question. But, I mean, if, if you look at how it is right now, I don't think it's bad, as bad as what some people are saying um, from, from what I can see. Maybe it's because I just know more people behind companies and organizations and such so i'm actually more aware of the people who are occupying the top spots as you say we've got nicole at eg and as trisha at FlyQuest, and there's, there's so many so many people now which is a really good thing and and um i don't know i don't think it's as bad as some people say obviously stuff needs to change perhaps uh, I, don't, I don't know what so like wh- where do you stand on it all because I, as i say i'm not like the best person to speak on this i don't think I would say that it's gotten better in terms of diversity. I, I, I can admit that. You know, I think it's good to start with the pros. Like, it has gotten better with diversity. I mean, we're seeing people in positions that, um, you know, a couple of years ago, a while ago that we didn't see, right? But there's still a problem. Um, and I would say, like, you know, various people – who come on to Cheddar Esports or just talk about diversity inclusion, it's not it's less of the diversity aspect right now and it's more the inclusion. Yeah. Right? Because you can include different people with different backgrounds, people of color, different orientations, all that stuff in the company. But if they're not part of the decision making process, then there's there's it doesn't make sense. Right. And then that's when we get like insensitive situations and, and things like that. We've seen it with brands before. Um, we've seen it in other industries. So I think it's important that we have these different um, perspectives and different voices and different faces when it comes to gaming to make sure that you know people aren't creating characters or scenarios that are, that are insensitive 
or you know having the appropriate narratives for characters um depending you know whatever they are whether there's whatever their background or orientation or anything like that um even when it comes to uh, ceo positions you know uh the lot of ceo positions there's a lot of white men um it would be good to see even that diversify because if you have everyone being the same thing and when i say same thing the same background um it it does not it's not going to help the industry grow in in multi-directional ways it, the more diverse the perspectives the more diverse the voices the more diverse the people as well as 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 those who are in higher positions listening to those who have a different perspective and different background than them is so 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 important um you know we've seen in such a comes of video games just the depiction of people of color or just different characters has improved over time and yeah. adds more complexity and layers to them when like Street Fighter was notoriously having some problematic characters and 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 levels in the past, so I, there's it's been progressive, it's been getting better. But I think inclusion is the thing that needs to get better, including people at the table, including more diversity on broadcast. Not to say that those who are on broadcast they've earned their spot, right? They're knowledgeable. But I think it'll be good to find ways to diversify the people on it, you know, and especially if we're trying to tackle these issues of like still racism and sexism within esports. You gotta sometimes, you know, sometimes people are like that because they're ignorant, right? There's a difference between ignorance and racism. But I think that including different people with different backgrounds into the broadcast teams, the producer, the production team. Um, that the business side is so important for this industry to continue to grow and thrive, um, and to make sure that there's no, you know, problems and issues with like streamers, uh, pro players screaming the N word and like yeah. all this crazy. You had people who, you know, worked in the higher positions in those companies um, who have different backgrounds. They'll be able to, you know, it's, it may help. Not always, you know. Some people are just racist and will just say it no matter what, or they're just being stupid, right? But it's important to include these different backgrounds and different individuals in order to in order to grow. Um, you can't if you have the same like-minded people in one room, you're gonna get the same results. If you have differing uh, minded people and people who come from different backgrounds, there will be there could be more diverse results and more diverse options and more diverse solutions to some of the problems that we have. Okay, and, and if someone if someone was to say that one hundred percent we should have um, equality of opportunity, but equality of outcome is not necessarily a good thing. Like, what what would your stance be on that? Like, because obviously, well, I, I say obviously, I've seen some people say that we need uh, X amount of black people in a room as well as X amount of white people and X amount X amount of female and male and such. And I mean, like, um, to I don't know. I feel like mandating like inclusion in that way where you you're forcing people into seats and or people out of seats and such it's it's a bit of a tricky one so yeah i what would you say about making sure like there's equal opportunity for all but not equal outcome for all so everyone can have a shot and interview and get in these positions but it's up to how they perform and how uh, apt and adept they are at what they're doing as to the opportunities that arise um, I, and this is the thing. I don't. I don't think that people should force it, right? Because then you have you're fulfilling the quota, right? It's not about fulfilling the quota. Mm -hmm. It's about putting people who have the credibility, who are great at what they do, 
and and giving them the opportunity to yeah. one um, showcase that as well as um, ha- having them be part of those discussions to help with fixing certain things within your company and the industry itself. Um, I'm not someone who is like, oh, you have to have a, a, a black broadcaster. No, but I think that it's important to have someone who is different because it gives you a additional view. For example, right? When, when Ninja said that Drake made gaming cool, you know, that was a time where I, I came up and said, no, that's not true. As a rapper, he did not make gaming cool. There's so many other rappers that make gaming cool. Mm-hmm. He helped elevate Ninja, but you know, what about Def Jam fight for New York, Def Jam yeah, Vendetta, yeah. or even the Wu-Tang Clan's uh, fighting game, which set the president and set the tone for Def Jam. And there's even people like Lupe Fiasco who's heavily involved in the fighting game community. Even yeah. You even have pain. So it's like having, there are some people that don't know that, but you can't speak on something that you don't know. And so having these diverse perspectives, even from a broadcast standpoint, will give more information and knowledge. Like I really loved um, my friend Malik Forte. I really love how he finds a way to integrate culture into the conversations he has on Twitter. I love the fact that he speaks from the perspective of a black man when it comes to things in the industry, um, more so now, um, you know, obviously, you know, I'm sure because when he worked for the Overwatch League, you know, I, I'm sure he was limited in terms of what he could talk about. Yeah. Uh, but him, I have had some great conversations. And then even now he's, he's speaking up and using his platform to speak up on these things. I think it's important to have that, like I said, those diverse perspectives. Um, of course, when you can find the person that does a great job, and there are people that do a really great job, you know, I'm someone who represents black and, and, and um, uh, Latinas and, you know, even the LGBTQ community, you know, I recently put out a, a post about myself because um, I thought it was so important to have that representation for these underserved communities and, and being someone who represents that and, and, and is a role model for, for those who are looking to do broadcasts and stuff like that. And yeah. so I think that like with that, you know, it's, there are people who do a really great job. It's just, you know, allowing, it's like ha- letting them have the opportunity to showcase it. And then if they show that they're really good at what they do, then putting them in positions where they're part of the important conversations, the important decision-making, the important broadcasts, um, because honest or, or behind the scenes, like, you know, being producer, that's super important too. So doing that is, is super important. Um, obviously find the right people and allow people to highlight and showcase themselves, but just uh, giving them the opportunity when it sees fit. And if they are the right ones, then let them be the right ones. No, no, that makes sense. And I've actually just thought about something I never really thought about before. And I don't know if this is an indictment on me, but like I've not once. So as I say, I think I'm on episode 17. This is the 17th episode of the podcast, right? And not once have I sat down and gone, right, I need to make sure I've got a really good mix of people from all backgrounds here. What I've done is I've I've picked an area that I want to discuss and mm-hmm. then gone, right, this person excels in that area. Let me see if they're interested in coming on, right? And and it just so happens that I've got I've got a good mix of of, of people, right? But should should I be doing that? Because if you're not being if somebody isn't being given the opportunities to prove themselves, but they are actually really really good in in a particular area, but um, uh, say then I don't know, just they're, they're not a, a white male, you know, who get who has the opportunities that 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 we have sometimes. Um, yeah. Like, sh- should I be going out of my way more to to find people who perhaps ha- just haven't had their big breakthrough yet 
Um, or do I just stick with what I'm doing? I've never really been conscious about who I'm picking in that sense, which I think is a good thing because I've never really like um, categorized people. I've just seen people as people. Yeah. And 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 pick and and pick people within the, the wider range of people, like the wider range of people that we are. Like, you know, I've I've never categorized it. So am I doing something wrong? Should should I be co- more considerate considerate about like who I get on? It's just being more aware. I I don't think that you know, it's it kind of goes back to, you know, you have the two extremes, right? You have the extreme of people who are just very judgmental. Um, and then you have the extreme where, you know, um, people may say, oh, I don't see color, but that's not the society that we live in. Like yeah. color and status and who you are is judged, right? So you can't, you can't, we can't be complacent when it comes to that. Um, I think that it's important to have that awareness. Like maybe if you're noticing that, like if you're constantly interviewing people and you're un- you're seeing that they're white men, um, maybe be like, okay, maybe let me find let me find a woman who can speak on this. Let me yeah. find someone who's Latin. Um, it's important to do that. You know, that's the one thing I've noticed when I was doing Cheddar Esports bookings, right? And I'm not and listen, I'm not saying this. I'm not bashing white men. I'm not go bashing- on, bash me. I probably deserve it. I'm not bashing people like that. It's just something that we have to be more aware of. Like, for example, I noticed um, when we did, um, when I was starting to book Women's History Month guests and yeah. I put out a tweet saying, hey, do you have any, you know, great people? Um, I noticed that a lot of the people that were recommended were white women. And not to say that that's a bad thing, right? Those women are are great at what they do and they deserve the credibility. But I also thought it was interesting where I'm like, how come there weren't that many Latin people? How come there weren't that many LG, knowingly LGBTQ plus or, or, you know, even like people of Asian descent, descent, it was, it was a little smaller, um, people who are black, you know, it's something that I've noticed and I don't think that people are intentionally doing it. It's just, it's just shows you that there's still something that needs to be worked on in the industry. That's all it is, right. you know? I don't, I'm not saying that people are racist for saying that. Uh, I'm not saying that people are judgmental. Um, it's just a pattern that we've noticed. And even when we, I've been booking for Cheddar Esports, it's a pattern that I've continuously noticed, right? And that's why I, I made sure, like for Black History Month, I made sure that one to two guests a day were Black. Mm-hmm. I made sure for, for at least until things stopped uh, for Women's History Month that there was diversity amongst the women selected every week. Um, I think that it's important for us to put a little bit extra work to make sure that we we show that there are other individuals in this industry who have different backgrounds, different ethnicities and everything like that. I think it's important for us to do that. Um, I think, you know, of course, like you, like you, you're getting all these credible people who know their knowledge or who know the knowledge of, of whatever they're talking about. And that's one that's very important, right? Credibility mm-hmm. and knowledge are important. But also, you know, I think it will be good if you like, just slowly, you know, in between, like give some people chances, give some people who have different backgrounds chances. Cause you may be surprised. I've honestly have brought guests on that weren't as big as some other guests. And honestly, like, I felt like they were more knowledgeable than some of the big guests. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it just shows you that it doesn't matter how many followers you have, right? You super knowledgeable and talented and just, you just need that opportunity to shine. Uh, I think it's important that we do have those moments where we give people opportunities to shine, you know, even if it's 10% of the time, you know, if any, if it doesn't work 10% of the time, I mean, that's 10% compared to 90%, right? 
right? Yeah. It doesn't hurt. No, no, that's fair enough. So, so ju- just a shot. So quickly, like I, I think I've seen like a positive upturn in in inclusion and such, and and I for one obviously hope it continues. So, do you think you do agree that we've we've been doing better as an industry, but there is more work that can be done? Just to kind of wrap that up. Yeah, there's the industry has improved, but we still got some more work to do. And it's not just this industry; it's every of industry, exactly. Every. Right. To, to improve you know we got to yeah. grow we got to thrive or else you know the industry i wouldn't say it will the industry will die but the industry will just not progress as as much uh, or as fast as we would hope so and we're in a unique position anywhere where like like you can be anyone and, and, and be good you know like it's just it's an online industry for the most part uh, i mean it should be a, a lot more welcoming than other industries though hopefully there is a level playing field across all uh, eventually what i want to do is because we're getting towards the hour mark um we've both got things to do i don't want to um keep stealing your time too much longer i just want um you to just plug yourself uh basically um coronavirus is hitting like go on do it plug yourself go for it it's all yeah. yours <laughs> so yeah you can find me on all social media platforms aaron a simon e-r-i-n the letter a and then simon s-i-m as in mother o-n as in nancy um you can find me on facebook and also my youtube channel with aaron ashley simon you'll probably come across some of my old interviews if you type my name in uh so i hope you enjoy those because uh it's a little bit cringeworthy watching them <laughs> um, uh yeah and and then also um you can go to my website www.aaronasimon.com if you'd like to contact me there's a contact section and yeah email me uh whatever chat with me via twitter you know i'm open to chatting with whoever and you're going to be streaming uh more from now on right uh, for the foreseeable uh, at least twitch.tv slash aaron a simon i'm trying to stream every single day and have guest streamers too so there we go and what what games are you playing at the moment just quickly before i wrap this up because i'm interested on how much i should judge you Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, I play a lot. I play Overwatch. I play Call of Duty. Respect. I play Rainbow Siege. Respect. I play Persona 5. That's something I'm trying to finish, Don't but oh my is, God. But... <laughs> Such a long one. Um, and then I actually want to do a stream where I play Overcooked with my friends because <laughs> I told them that it's one of the hardest games that I've ever played and some of them don't believe me. And so we're all going to get frustrated together. <laughs> well, there we go. So everyone tune in. Go for all there. I mean, you probably already are. Let's be honest. She's very popular, especially compared to me. So, you know, that's what it is. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak to me. Um, I'm sure everything will, will kind of figure itself out soon. Um, and you'll be inundated, inundated with work and, and be wishing you had some time off again. I hope that that's the case for you at least. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll obviously still be supporting from the sidelines and, and doing what I can that way. And I'm going to try and be more mindful about the podcast and stuff. Though I have had a, a good mix of people, I'd say, unconsciously, I will be a bit more mindful. And that's something we can all take away from it, I guess. Just be more aware and more mindful of of what's going on. So, yeah, thank you for watching and listening to everyone who's tuned in. Uh, every Tuesday this goes out. Uh, I've been rather consistent. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. So I will catch you in the next episode. Uh, thank you again. Cheers.